Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. I want to start this morning with a story. So tell me if you've heard this one, or maybe a version of it. Once upon a time in a land far, far away, a long, long time ago, there lived a king and queen, and their daughter had been cursed and fell into a deep sleep. <laughs> and this, this deep sleep lasted for many years, and the king and queen spread news far and wide, searching for a cure. They searched for the prince who could give true love's kiss, break the curse. They searched for the magician who had the spell and the power to break the curse. They sought out the mystic who could use blood magic to make a counter curse or trade a life for a life. They tried everything. They bargained with a knight who could go and slay the dragon who protected the life-giving water so that they could bring back a drop to bring life to their daughter. They searched far and wide, scouring the royal library looking for any answer. They offered all their riches to whoever may be able to break the curse. You know, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word kingdom, when I think about kingdom, the concept of magic is just kind of interwoven with it. Because whether it's fantasy fiction or video games or movies, as we've referenced a couple of times in the past couple of weeks, the idea of kingdom comes with this fairy tale um, perspective. And I don't know about you, but my imagination goes to that. The inexplicable problems that come from amazing storytellers who have those ups and downs and um, the people who would go to great lengths for their story to end in happily ever after. You know, knowing that we live in a land without magic, thank you once upon a time, we live in a land without magic. We still have that search in us, something to take away our problems so that we can live happily ever after. Can you relate? And you know, in the stories, it always works out, right? The, the loose ends are tied up, at, whether it's by the end of the book or by the episode or the end of the series or whatever it is. It's all wrapped up and everybody's happy. But that's not the kind of kingdom we're talking about. Like the subtitle says, welcome to the real world. Welcome to the real world. Now, you might be thinking that's just a pessimistic wake-up call. Okay, welcome to the real world. i got to wake up. No, I'm not going to ever have a happily ever after. That's also not what we're talking about either. It's so much more than that. And as uh, Samara mentioned, we've been in this kingdom series for a couple of weeks. And really, this kingdom series is an invitation to see the very real very real reality of God's kingdom present with us today. It is invisible. We don't see a kingdom, and that can sometimes hinder us, but there is a kingdom of God here and now today that our lives are connected to through Jesus, through King Jesus, who is not just a good teacher or a prophet or just a man who lived who had an interesting story, but he is king and this kingdom is more real than the world we can see. Even the world that we can see and touch, that we can experience day to day, because this is an eternal kingdom. And it's, an, it's a kingdom that we will be part of forever. 
And so we've been going through the book of Matthew, which is a first century biography about the life of Jesus, where the, the writer, Matthew, uh, really shows how Jesus' primary message, the life that he lived, the message he taught, it was all primarily about the kingdom of God. And so before we read the scriptures, I do want to open in prayer. So would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you are here, that your presence is here, and that you want to reveal truth to us through your scriptures, through these, um, these stories recorded so long ago, because you have a truth you want to teach us today. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your eternal word, that our eyes would be open, that our ears would be open to hear you speak today in Jesus' name. Amen. So the section we are looking at today is full of miracles. It's uh, chapter, uh, chapters 8, 9, and then we'll look at 10 in a bit. But there's a ton of miracles. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I hear about miracles, that concept of magic gets woven in. And you might think, I don't believe in magic, and I also don't know if I believe in miracles. And that's fair. But Jesus was not performing illusions or unleashing the power of true love's first kiss or whatever. He was demonstrating the power of God. He was showing how this kingdom reality can make a difference in our day-to-day, in our real-world experience. And in the Bible, miracles are often called signs. And if we see a sign, it's to, you know, to get your attention, to maybe give you direction, maybe to advertise something, but this is a sign pointing us to something. And so we don't want to miss the message behind the miracle. So whether you believe in miracles or not, these are signs for all of us that we can that we can learn from, that can help us, that can help us to know where we're going and what, what this um, kingdom can make a difference, how this kingdom can make a difference in our lives. And this really is what I believe is the purpose of these stories. So in Matthew 8 and 9, Jesus is bringing God's kingdom into the day-to-day lives of people. He was changing their reality. And so many of these stories in these two chapters were portrayed in uh, season three of The Chosen, which I don't know if any of you guys are Chosen fans. We are huge Chosen fans in our house. And this whole season has really been chapters eight, nine, and ten, really, which is kind of cool. So if you want to know more, go watch it. It's awesome. But there's powerful stories about how Jesus heals a man with leprosy. And I I love what we see about Jesus. He was moved with compassion. And he's like, could you heal me? And he was like, of course I want to. I want to. When we, uh, he heals the centurion's servant. Who was the, like the centurion was part of the enemy. He was an officer of Rome. And he displayed such faith in Jesus had an understanding of the authority that Jesus had as king that then Jesus actually marveled at his faith, which is pretty incredible. Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law and a paralyzed man brought a 12-year-old girl who had recently died back to life, healed a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years who just reached out and touched him. A blind man, a mute person, that mentions that actually everyone who was sick received their healing. So this wasn't just a couple of people who had their day-to-day lives completely changed by an interaction with Jesus. 
but there were so many who received healing. And it was through these signs, through these miracles, that Jesus was showing, I am bringing God's kingdom into the day-to-day lives of people. But he was also showing his power over the natural world, over all the things that we can see and touch and experience. His kingdom had so much more power over that, over the weather when Jesus calms the storm and rescues the disciples. He displayed his power over sin when he claimed the authority to forgive and then proved it with his authority to heal. He freed hurting people who were demon-possessed, who were tormented. He set them free. In Matthew 9, 35 to 36, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Would you say that? The good news of the kingdom. You know, if you're blind, good news is, hey, you can see now, (laughs) you know, Um, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So the message behind the miracles, I think, is the good news of God's kingdom. The good news. Now, we might not be blind. We might not be paralyzed. But there is still good news for each one of us. And that is that God's kingdom has the power to change life on earth. Jesus is king, and he has authority over all brokenness, over all disease, over all sickness, over everything that torments us and hurts us. And whenever we see evil in the world, you know, it's so easy to just hear the wrong things going on, to hear the doom and gloom, to see the news and the crap going on all over our entire globe. But then we also feel that in the text that we receive from a friend that's like, "Uh uh-huh, things are not good, please pray, I'm not okay, here's what's going on. You know, we experience the evil in the world in the grand scale and in the very intimate in our friendships, in our family. So I want to ask us, do we still believe that Jesus has the power and authority over all those things, over all the brokenness, over all the disease, over all the sickness, over the things that torment us? Do we still believe that he has the authority today? Yeah, we do. (laughs) Good answer. Yeah. But this is what all these signs are pointing to. So what if we don't see blind eyes open and we we do hear of the deadly storms that God didn't calm? We hear experience, uh, we experience death and loss even when we pray. What do we do with the fear and the panic and the uncertainty we feel when our prayers are unanswered? And I know that this is a touchy subject for a lot of people. And it is for me as well. I believe that Jesus has power and authority over every aspect of our life, over our physical world. And it is a tension for me as well. I mean, uh, my, you may not know, but my daughter, when she was three years old, had a life-threatening skin disease um, that was like actually miraculously healed in like three days. And then there is no visible damage when she should have, by, by the doctor's report, she should have been permanently scarred all over her body, her face and everything. She was miraculous, miraculously healed. 
My mom had a brain tumor that we actually saw MRIs of a golf ball sized tumor shrink down to the size of a pea. And she, it was miraculously healed. I believe Jesus has the power and authority over all sickness and all disease, diseases. But at the same time, like you, I've had many unanswered prayers. Many sicknesses that still go on in our family that haven't yet been healed. I do believe God can do something. And when he doesn't, it's confusing. <laughs> I know that you probably have wrestled with these, this tension as well. It can cause all kinds of disappointment. But I can tell you that the quickest way to disappointment is to focus on all that God didn't do. You know, loss and disappointment, it is part of all of our journey at some point. But in the midst of it, as Mike just said, man, we didn't even really talk, but it was so good. We can learn so many things in hard stuff, and that doesn't, I don't say that to minimize any hard thing that anybody is going through, but there's, we can learn to be gut-wrenchingly honest before God, to, to recognize that he sees us and has compassion on us. We can express those, those deep feelings to him. But we need to remember that prayer isn't magic. It's not a magic wand, and it doesn't work like the fairy tales do. It's not a wand to wave when something's bad enough and we really want our happily ever after. Prayer, oh, it's so much more powerful than that. Erwin McManus said this. He said, most of us are actually living lives that are not spiritual. They're magical. We think that things are supposed to happen by magic because now we believe in Jesus. I'm going to believe in Jesus and then everything's just going to happen the way I need it to. You know, I don't know about you, but I've definitely fell into that trap before as well. Because Jesus is not a magician. He's not a sorcerer. He's not a mystic. It's not someone to bargain with to get our way. Hey, if you do this, I'll do this. If, you see, if I see this miracle, then I'll believe. No, Jesus is king. He is king over all. And each one of these people who received their miracles in chapters 8 and 9, they died. They did eventually die. Like the 12-year-old girl who rose from the dead, she died and Jesus wasn't there to raise her again. They did experience hardship. They, we don't know the rest of their stories, but we do know that. But this part of their story, this part where Jesus does a miracle for them is recorded for some purpose. And it's to show us something about God's kingdom. I believe it's ultimately to show us that God has the power over all death, over all sickness, over all disorder, over all chaos, over weather and society. And every ruler is under his authority. But it's also meant to be a foretaste or a preview, or a foreshadowing, or a sample of the not yet of God's kingdom, where these things will lose all sting. They will lose all authority. All these things will be ended completely. And they are still part of our world for now, but not forever. We do see in part, like I said, we see some miracles. We see some prayers answered. We don't see all. But we can see through these miracles what God's kingdom is really like. But if all we do is wait for the end, looking forward to the when it's all going to be solved and all right and all good, 
then we can miss out on God's kingdom now. You know, there is a now of God's kingdom. Not just a not yet. And the good news now, (laughs) you know, like the Pharisees, they were seeing all these miracles. They were hearing the stories. They were interacting with God in the flesh. They were hearing the good news of God's kingdom firsthand. And they missed it. They missed it because they were looking for something that fit in their boxes. And I don't want us to miss this today. There is a right now. There is a real world reality of God's kingdom today that is good news for you. You might not be blind, but it's good news for you. There is a victory over darkness that Jesus has, and it has impact on us today. So will we have eyes to see and celebrate God's goodness in the meantime? That our faith is not based on what God does, but who he is. He is king. He is Lord. He is Savior. And sometimes it's confusing. But faith does not deny that problems exist. It just denies those problems sway over our faith and trust in Jesus. You know, when it comes to unanswered prayer, we can't hold God hostage to the answers we want. It's a great quote. Um, Just one second. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, there it is. I just have to look what I'm doing. Okay, this quote. Maybe all the bad news is clouding out our perspective of what's really happening in the world. Maybe we've been trained to pay attention to the darkness and ignore the light. Maybe there's more grace and redemption happening if we just knew where to look. Maybe we have to learn to identify and celebrate the good and learn to resist a culture of cynicism. You know, that culture of cynicism erodes our faith. And I want to encourage us to resist by celebrating the good. Don't allow your disappointments and unmet expectations to keep you from seeing God's goodness. There is God's goodness in your life. And scriptures tell us God is good and he is worth celebrating. We can praise him for his victory over sin and death. We can praise him for his grace in the midst of it. We can praise him for the hope that he brings us, for his presence with us while we go through hard stuff. We can celebrate that God is close and we can trust him. We don't want to miss God's goodness because we don't recognize it. You know, it might look like when we're experiencing forgiveness and grace from our mistakes or when tensions begin to ease in a strained relationship or when a difficult task or a te- task or test, we experience waves of peace rather than the anxiety we're used to feeling. You know, we can take all the credit and think it's our skills and think it's our successes for the good things, but it's really God's goodness in our life why we experience anything good in all you know we can focus on the mistakes and the strained relationships and the hard things or we can notice God's grace and his kindness helping us through it all and I don't say this to minimize the hard things that anyone is going through because I know some really tough stuff going on in people's lives and there's so much more that I don't know but we need to recognize God's good work in it James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from God. And this is the greater mission 
that more than just bringing us to a happily ever after, Jesus came to earth. He did come to heal bodies, but he also came to save souls, to bring forgiveness. And we can't see the evidence of that. And so he showed us that he has the power to forgive and to heal. Jesus brought God's kingdom into people's lives and then called his disciples, called people around him, called people who said no um, to follow him. And then he includes us in his family and brings us into his mission. And our role is to bring that good news to the whole world, or to our world, to the people in our lives. Um, I, we are having Baptism Sunday this morning. And so if you are getting baptized, I would like to dismiss you at this point so you can go and get ready and so that Dennis can tell you what you need to know. If you are not signed up for baptism, but you are feeling that, um, like, I want to get baptized, you're feeling that, maybe that urge from the Holy Spirit that today is your day, we have everything that you can need, even if you didn't bring clothes or a towel or whatever. Um, Lindsay is back at the back. She can just, just by the board, the soundboard there. And she could help you if you want to get baptized today. So Matthew 9, 36 to 38. I read it already, but I re want to read this again. He saw the crowds and had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. You know, when we want ease and comfort, harvest means work. <laughs> um, and work might not look like God's goodness, but it is. In chapter 10, Jesus then responds to that prayer, send out workers into the harvest, harvest and he gives the disciples a mission. Matthew 10, verse 7, it says, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. You know, the authority that Jesus demonstrates through uh, chapters 8 and 9, he then delegates to his disciples. He says, you do it now. You watched me, now you do it. And he basically made them ambassadors of the king. They were uh, given his authority, his power over sickness and death. And he gave them the mission to go and take this good news to people that he couldn't reach. You know, this is part of our mission, our assignment, to announce that the kingdom is here. You know, Jesus was very real about what to expect. And it wasn't all ease and comfort either. It was like, there's a cost to this discipleship. It's going to take some radical commitment. There's risk. At, like, he was sending the disciples out, and he was not promising them safety. He was telling them that you're going to experience risk. This is going to be difficult. It's going to create tension. The world will turn on you and mock you. Some will accept you, but some will reject you. What an adventure <laughs> that he sent them on. <laughs> you know, then he reassured them that his power was greater than any opposition that could lie ahead for them. And I believe that's the same for us. We might experience opposition and rejection, but his power is so much greater. 
John Mark Comer said, if you are an apprentice of Jesus, your end goal is to grow and mature, not overnight, but over time, into the kind of person who can carry on the work of Jesus. You know, there really isn't a middle road with Jesus. It's either sacrifice it all and follow him or reject him completely. And our end goal of discipleship is becoming like Jesus, to carry on the mission that Jesus had, that he gave us. So how will the kingdom of God go forward? Is when we embody the way of Jesus, when we embody his kingdom together. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, Drive out demons. Is anyone intimidated by that? <laughs> Those are hard uh, instructions. But how do we live this out? You know, we might not be able to cleanse a leper. Does anybody know anyone with leprosy? I was actually trying to find it out. It's not very common around here. I've never met anyone with leprosy. You know, you might not be able to... to Bring healing to somebody with leprosy, but you can care for people who are, might feel like outcasts, who might feel like they have no dignity. We can walk alongside them with compassion while they find wholeness in Christ. You know, we might not ever drive out demons, but we can be instruments of God's love and grace to those tormented by addiction, trapped by worldly attitudes and mindsets that oppose God. You know, Jesus still sets people free, and he's called us to be part of that. And he puts us in community together because community is the antidote to addiction. It's the antidote to the work of the enemy, getting a hold of somebody's life. Like the, the sheep needed each other for protection, and they needed their shepherd. But a sheep alone is a target. And so we need each other. We need to be in community So including others. We might not physically raise a, a corpse, but you might encourage, you might encounter somebody who is hopeless, who's maybe given up on life. And we can, as followers of Jesus, speak the hope and courage that he's given us to them. We can pray for the sick. There's lots of opportunities to do that. And I heard somebody who taught on this once. He said, you know, he prayed for hundreds of people and had so many encouraging stories, but it's because he prayed for hundreds of people and the number of answered prayers, you know, was significantly higher than maybe me who doesn't pray for sick often, you know? You know, you might pray for 100 people and one gets answered, so pray for 200 people and two might get answered. You know, the more we pray, the more we can see God's work. We don't know what he will answer, but we can continue to pray God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. This is how we carry on the work of Jesus. God's kingdom can move forward in us, in our world, by letting Jesus transform us into people of the kingdom. Letting our Letting him transform us into people of the kingdom in the way that we eat meals with others or bring meals to others, the way we believe the best or encourage hope, and the way we serve and build the church, the way we endure hard things and not let it create a cynical spirit in us. Not 
letting disappointments erode our faith because our faith is not in an outcome. It is in a person, the person of Jesus. And we can live with that eternal hope and bring that good news to people around us. You know, Jesus was honest. You will face opposition. And we do as well. And it's not fun. But he tells the disciples, don't be intimidated. He says it three times throughout verse 26 to 31. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because God will bring out everything into the open. Every secret will be told. You will be vindicated. And God cares for you. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray. You know, Jesus did all that he did. From the miracles, setting people free, sending out the disciples, but then through his life and his death and his resurrection and bringing us all in to his family, into his mission, he created a way for us to be reunited in relationship with God and united together with a purpose and a mission to restore our world that is so broken. You know, when we experience the brokenness of our world, we are meant to be part of that solution as ambassadors of the King. We have been given that. You know, we're gonna pray in just a minute here. Um, You know, there is an aspect of us saying yes to Jesus that is a very individual, decision to make but it's also um, not something we can live out alone and on our own we absolutely are brought into his family into a community of believers who can encourage each other when we're feeling that eroding in our faith that we can we can encourage each other to keep believing to keep standing in faith when we're discouraged and tired and weary to link arms with each other you know there is a part that we play about bringing God's kingdom to earth as it is in heaven that we can only do together and when we say yes to Jesus we also say yes to his family which is sometimes hard (laughs) family is messy (laughs) but Jesus is so good and he is king and he is the one who unites us So I want to invite you, if you are ready to accept that invitation to start a new life, that journey of following Jesus, it is absolutely your decision to make. But he takes your yes and he brings you into such a big story. Makes so much sense. So we're going to pray together and I want to invite you to pray along with us. We all pray because this is this is also continually us yielding and surrendering our own wherever we're at on our journey to him but we also don't want you to feel singled out or alone in this so would you all pray with me say Jesus I give myself to you I say yes to your life I need a new start Lord would you rescue me would you heal me? Would you set me free? And would you bring me into your family? Make me new. I choose to follow you and be part of your church. In Jesus' name, amen. 
We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.